0: This is QAV, The Investing Podcast, episode 450. Uh, This week on the free episode, we're uh, having a chat with Luke, the Gibbonator Gibson, about his QAV-based YouTube channel called The Gibson Hustle. We're talking about copper becoming a sell, iron ore becoming a buy, whether or not BHP is an an iron ore company or a copper company. Uh, new Farm Chemicals and uh, Magellan's Woe. Uh, if you're brand new to listening to QAV, welcome. Uh, my name's Cameron. Um, this is a show I do with my mate Tony, who's a very successful long-term investor where we talk about his investing methodology, QAV, quality at value. And the format for the show is each week we basically talk a little bit about what's going on in the market and then we answer listener questions. But uh, most of those end up in the club edition, the premium edition of the show, Uh, And I'll tell you more about that a little bit later on. Anyway, let's get stuck into it. Well, we're back with QAV. This is episode, I think, 450. 450. We're recording this on the 14th of December 2021. TK is down in Cape Shank again. How are you, Tony? Yeah, good, thank you. Really, really well.
1: Enjoying Cape Shank. How's the golf? Good. Yeah, perfect weather down here. It's lovely. Had friends staying with us and they just left. Uh, Ruddy's still here with me though. We're playing again tomorrow. Lovely. Well, pass on my regards. Christmas time is just incredibly busy with catch ups and yeah. things at the moment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you used to live down there, right? So yeah. you've got a lot of friends down there, I imagine, that you want to see and correct daughters down there. And yes. And with us also today on the show, a very special guest coming to us from I don't know where, Perth, I think. Is that right? You're Luke Gibson. Luke <laughs> the Gibbonator Gibson. Yeah, that's correct how are things in WA? You're going to open your border up to the world in February, I hear, Luke. Yeah, supposedly February. Looking forward to it. (laughs) We'll be able to come over and do a QAV event. Now,
2: Luke, how long have you been a QAV member? Well, to be honest, I've listened from the first episode. I've always listened in batches. I had a long drive, about 40 minutes. But to become a premium member, I started that in September. I finally splashed into my oh, pocket. so only is- a few
0: months you've been a QAV yeah. Club member. Right, okay. And at what point did you have the idea of doing your own YouTube series? So, Luke, uh, people probably know because we've talked about him, I think, last week's episode. Uh, Luke, a while back, a couple of months ago, I think, started his own YouTube investing show. Uh, which we're going to talk about. Let's stop a bit. Let's tell us about yourself first, Luke. I told you I'm I'm a professional at this. I know what I'm doing. You're in good hands. So (laughs) you live in WA. You just told us off air that you were born in 1990, which is I can't even begin to get my head around (laughs) people born in 1990. Tell us about yourself. What do you do do when you're not uh, investing, Luke?
2: Well, I've got two companies on the go at the moment. So I have a machining and fabrication workshop, which takes up most of my time. Small crew. There's about five of us, and other than that, I have a temporary fencing company, which I'm slowly winding out. But I still do it a little bit. And other than that, I'm I'm reading and learning about investing and working around the house. I guess. Is a temporary fencing company a
0: fencing company that you don't plan to run very long, or you just uh, it's temporary? The fencing itself is temporary. I have no idea. I'm an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> the, the fencing itself temporary What's the point of
2: temporary fencing? To, like construction sites? Yeah, construction and, and events um, and stuff like events. that Yeah, yeah So it was like my one of my main first companies I've probably had it open for three to four years And yeah, it's, it's, it's very hard work though <laughs> Really?
0: Yeah Because
2: well, you have to load fences on and off trucks And set them yeah. up and
0: a lot of running around
2: yeah, all the blocks weigh about 25, 30 kilos each. So carrying those around and slugging them around, is a bit hard, Yaka. Yeah, right.
0: It's when people say to me, you're working hard. I go, dude, I sit in front of a computer all day. It's people <laughs> who do that kind of stuff that are that are really working hard. And machining and fabrication, again, I'm going to show my ignorance here. I hear people use those words like it means something. Yep. Um, I have no idea what that does. Tell me, Tell me what that's all about.
2: Okay, look at it as in you get a
0: steel billet. See, I'm lost. What's a steel, what's a steel billet, Luke? Heavy metal. Like Judas Priest? I mean, Judas Priest, uh, Metallica, <laughs> is that what we're talking here? I know that.
2: No, nah, more, more material side. So, yeah, so so we get raw billets of steel and then we pretty much sculpt them using CNC machines into whatever the customer requires. What's a CNC machine? I should know this. I think it's computer numeric control. So it's it's like, an, do you know what a lathe is?
1: Mm, it's a lathe, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, vaguely. Or, or a milling machine. So we have computerized ones of those. So they're, they're automatic and they can work overnight. And it's quite fascinating. I'll, I'll send you some information on them. Some of my um, channel, actually. My brother-in-law does that, Luke, up in Tully. He
1: uh, has a computer lathe and he makes... Uh, replacement blades for harvesters in the main.
0: Beautiful, yeah. So you just have like a digital blueprint and you you just put it in the computer and it just, does it use water? Uh, Because I have seen like one that uses high-pressured water filled with nanoparticles, diamond particles or something to slice through metal. Is it something like that? How does it chop away the steel?
2: Lasers? That's a water jet cutter. So we have more of the ones where we use carbide tooling. So we remove the chips with carbide, but it is full of coolant to keep everything cool. And yeah, a video tells, tells a million words. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's good. So you've you've got a couple of businesses. When did you start your
2: first business uh, as a young fella? Yeah, I, I worked with the same company when I was 16. So my mother told me I could either get an apprenticeship or I could go back to school. So I had the choice of the two. I chose apprenticeship at 16. I was with the same company for, yeah, I think it was like 14, 15 years. But during that, maybe my eighth, ninth year, and I've, I've always been in leadership roles as well post-apprenticeship. But um, I started a vending machine business was my first one. So I used to go out, site a machine, put the chips in it, the coke in it, uh, and then just go in every week and then just take the money and just repeat. It was pretty fun. But I sold that when I moved over to Perth. And then I've had a handyman business over here, which I wound down and turned into the temporary fencing business and then started the machine shop. So, yeah. Where were you from originally? Uh, So Newcastle, New South Wales by Dave.
0: (laughs) Shout out to Dave from Newey, who's, uh, I think, sent us some questions today too. I don't know, maybe it's for next week. Good stuff. All right, so that's a little bit about you. And uh, tell us about your uh, investing
2: background, pre-QAV, Luke? Yep. So I I started jumping on everything like the news, the emotions, like all that kind of stuff that comes with investing really got me at the start. But I I pretty much started investing in 2018 um, towards the end of it. And the reason behind that was because the bank's Tyson credit policy and I wasn't allowed to invest in the housing market anymore. So I, I wanted somewhere else where I could start putting my savings so I started reading all the books. I just got obsessed. I, I listened to all the podcasts. Shout out to Phil Muscatello as well. as listening to all his ones, episode after episode. And yeah, I, I bought my first shares in November 2018, which was my, my favorite, which was FMG at $4.21 each. Whoa. And yeah, that was, that was, that was a good one. I hope one. you rode that all the way. <laughs> I did. But then I bought a couple of others like ANZ and, and then I just kind of noticed that I was emotional with investing. So I took a more passive approach as I was learning. So I'm not sure if you're aware of the Comsec Pocket app with the seven ETFs that it comes with. So I started um, every month putting 10% of my income towards that. I built up a portfolio of, I think about $10,000 in those and just watched it. And then I tried to start active investing. And the moment that the light bulb went off was when I was When I was jumping into these these growth stocks, like when you spoke about, I think, TK with A2 Milk, how everyone jumped on the bandwagon. Well, I was unfortunately one of those. And I watched it come down and I think I ended up losing about 42% in it um, in a 10 grand state. And the second light bulb moment was when FMG was in discussion and the three-point trend line sell for the iron ore. I kept holding that on for the dividend. I thought it was crazy to sell before, and then I just watched that just plummet. And I was like, "I'm QAV from now." <laughs> That's what got me.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, good. Always the uh, university education you have to have at the start, isn't it? The mistakes you make. Yeah. Before you get wise, yeah. no, we're all we're all uh, thinking that we all have our own versions of those stories. I think, or I do anyway. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. So tell us about your podcast. You've got a plan to uh, turn your savings into a million dollars. What's the story there?
2: Yeah, so initially when I started YouTube, it was more so for to keep in touch with the eastern states, with my friends, family, et cetera, over there, and try and show videos of the hustles of life that I, that I do do with my companies and that. But I found that was too hard. So to t- kind of record that whilst also doing all the work and then the editing it, like, Hands off to you, Cam, there's a lot of work in it. But then I thought, well, I'm really passionate about this investing and I'm really passionate about the QAV methodology. And why not record it if I'm already doing it anyway? And yeah, that's kind of where it branched out. But the goal is to, to take my initial investment, which was 50K, which was selling off all those other poor investments and then taking a full state and to grow that into a million dollars over the next 10 years. It'll kind of fund towards retirement as well, I guess, in one sense. You're too young to retire. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of QAV
0: club members have told me that they 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 sort of are a little bit shy about talking about investing and what they've learned on the show with friends and family because it's kind of a it's kind of a weird thing in Australian culture to talk about investing, but I guess on the flip side of that is there's all of these fintech people now, including the guy that just got slapped by ASIC I saw in the financial review this morning. Some guy is uh, being investigated by ASIC for giving out stock tips without an AFSL. That obviously doesn't bother you. You're not uh, scared of putting your journey
2: out there? I was a little bit hesitant at the start, and I started to um, research what you can and you can't get away with. So I put my disclaimer on at the front, and I'm I'm hoping that's enough. I probably should look into it more, but I, it's not really more of giving stock tips. It's kind of like to to share my journey, and it kind of also like really teach people it's it's not as scary as 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 the professionals and all that kind of make out that it is. That if if an average Joe like me can do it, then those guys can too as well. So. But that's what I meant. Like a lot of people are just like a
0: little, little bit. I don't know, shy about talking about investing because it may not go well. There'll be mistakes, and I know, like I'm, I'm a lot older than you. I've made more mistakes than you'll probably ever make in your life, and ten times as many. So I'm, I'm well beyond caring what people think about me making mistakes. And I also know that Tony's going to guide me in the right direction. So that's cool. I can be the idiot. (laughs) But I, I think it's just great that you're comfortable putting your Journey out there. Obviously, you're not worried about you know how people view it. If it goes up, it goes down. You, I, I saw one of your ones recently where I think your portfolio had gone backwards a little bit, like all of ours have in the last month or two, and you were just laughing it off. Eh, it's part of the journey,
2: and you know, it doesn't matter. It's long term, and which was great. And that's that's exactly what's so good about this. It. Like, no, all jokes aside, I was nervous about putting a monetary value live for everybody to watch. And in the back of my mind, it was like, this could either work or I could fail and look like a fool. But the thing about it, if if you're doing it public, um, you, you kind of, you have to be true to the methodology because people will pull you up, like people that understand it and be like, if I start going outside of it, someone could bring me back in. Like I get asked questions all the time about the methodology and it makes me have to go back and research and then make me understand a bit more. And then, because, well, what's the saying? To learn something to perfection, go and teach it. Ugh, yeah. I, that's, that's not the saying I butchered that, but I hope you know it. Yeah,
1: definitely. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, if you really want to understand something, teach it. Yeah, And I know that even Tony's been through that journey while we've been doing the podcast, right, Tony? Yeah, no, correct. So there's that that part
1: of it, how do you explain it to people? Because after 20 30 years of doing it myself without talking to anyone it's all second nature right but you've got to actually then explain it in a way that makes sense to people who haven't heard about it before so you have to start from scratch and have everything documented and but you're right luke it's the process of teaching you makes you understand it better because a lot of times i'll just whiz through it quite quickly i mean i'm just that's my personality I'm, i'm an 80 20 guy i'd rather get a lot of stuff done in a day and have 80% of it go right rather than spend all day doing one thing and making sure it's perfect. So having to stop and talk about it and document it and all the rest has, has made the system much more robust than what it was when I was using it, when I was just whizzing through based on my own experience without having to worry about the um, the finer points of it.
0: So Luke, the title of your YouTube, People Want to Go... F- find it is the gibson hustle is that what they search for on youtube yes correct the gibson
2: hustle (laughs) and you're doing episodes how often at the moment so i'm doing one episode a week at the moment as it grows like i kind of set my own little milestones if if i reach 100 subscribers i'll try and put a little bit more effort into it i might start trying to show my my beard and my mug again and then if it keeps growing then i'll um I'll try and do two videos a week and, yeah, just hopefully just grow it over time. That's great. And how is your portfolio going this week? This week? um, I'm going to pretend that I haven't looked, but it's been two two very nice days so far. (laughs) Yeah, the market's been a little bit
0: buoyant, uh, more buoyant this week anyway. So a couple of questions about your portfolio,
1: Luke, and your approach. Yep. Why five stocks and not more than five stocks in the portfolio?
2: So I, um, I set a little trading plan to kind of enter my portfolio in. So the goal is to get to 20 stocks. I was trying to be a bit a bit tight towards the Comsex um, brokerage. So it's like $19.95 up to $10,000 investment. So to keep myself true, I was trying to do a $10,000, $10,000, $10,000 all the way to I get to $200,000. And every time I do reach $10,000 from owner contributions and capital gains from when I sell, then I put another stock in there. And it was kind of kind of to to kind of make it smaller and grow it out so I could really hone in on the process and really understand it as well.
1: And that was my next question. So if you you're really trying to get from a portfolio of two hundred thousand dollars to a million rather than fifty thousand to a million, because doing that in ten years would be a really high annual return, wouldn't it?
2: Right. It's kind of to grow. It is to grow from 50,000 to a million, but each kind of month, it it should compound on itself. Every time I do the owner contributions and then introduce the extra stocks. And yeah, I didn't really have 200,000 of capital to start off with for 20 stocks. Okay. One
1: last question. And that is, I noticed I was going through your video cast preparing for this. And in one of the episodes, I think you had Medusa Mining, MML, and it had dropped by more than 10%, but you didn't sell it. So what was the reasoning behind that? I was a naughty
2: boy. <laughs> 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 but that's that's exactly what I was saying, like um, is you have to be so true when you're doing it live. so. People will pick you up on things that you think you're doing it the proper way, and then as soon as someone picks you up, you're like, I need to be more true to the thing because it keeps you, it keeps you honest, it keeps you honest.
0: Well, yeah, I think you have to do penance, Luke. You have to say five Hail Tonys uh, before you go to bed tonight.
2: Five Hail Tonys.
0: <laughs> Luke, fantastic work. I really do like your, your style, no bullshit, sort of uh, tradie. What I call it last time? Tradie with a ute approach to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tradie with a fence. It's good. It's great. I love it. <laughs> and I, I think there's, you know, there's a whole market of guys that uh, and girls that you'll be able to reach with that and get them on the right path and uh, send them to QAV. Good stuff, Luke. Good luck with it. And uh, you'll have to keep coming back on and giving us updates.
2: Yeah, for sure. But yeah, thank you to you guys. You've really it's it's so good that you're um you're teaching everybody on a broader scale that everyone can do it themselves and everyone can do it with their own super and you don't have to rely on the the big man to cash his own checks and yeah kudos to you guys.
0: Yeah, thanks. Well to Tony. All right, cheers mate. Uh that's the Gibson Hustle on YouTube. Look it up folks.
2: Awesome. Thank you very much guys.
0: Well, that seems like a good opportunity to take a break and talk to you a little bit about the QAV Club. Uh, We'll be back with some more chat with Tony in a minute. But for people who are brand new, as I said at the beginning, we have this thing called QAV Club. It's really for people that want to be serious, hands-on, active value investors. And you get access to a longer episode of the podcast each week. Normally goes for another half an hour to another hour. I think this week's was even more like an hour and a bit, hour and 20 extra, I think. Uh, where we answer a lot of listener questions and uh, do a lot of other stuff. But also, on top of that, you get access to Tony's checklist for helping you do your own analysis. You get access to our buy lists each week, our full buy lists. Uh, you get access to the QAV Bible, which is in sh- you know all of Tony's thinking about how to uh, invest. Um, you get access to our meet-up events, our dinners, our live Zoom events that we do from time to time. You get the ability to ask Tony questions on the show each week. And uh, if you want to check that out, you can. There's a free two-week trial. Go to our website, qavpodcast.com.au, qavpodcast.com.au, or just Google QAV Podcast, you'll find it. Sign up for the free trial, couple of weeks. You get access to everything, and you can um, check it out, see if it's something you think might be useful for you. And if not, don't worry, just keep listening to the free episodes. Anyway, let's get back to my chat with Tony from this week. All right. Well, we're back, me and Tony, Luke's gone. That was great, lovely chap, and uh, we wish him all the best with his uh, YouTube show. All right, well, it's been a big week, Tony. Last week, obviously, you and I pre-recorded a bit of 2021 wrap-up, which seems to have been very well appreciated by everyone. They seem to have enjoyed that episode, but there's been a lot of stuff going on in the last week, so we've got a lot to cover I guess I'll start with uh, we sold MML. We did a Rule 1 sell of MML out of our QAV portfolio. You, you mentioned uh, the MML drop when we were chatting with Luke, and we replaced it with GAP, G-A-P. I think that was on the 7th of December. Uh, anything to say about that or that's just that's how we do it, Rule 1 sells? Yep. That's the way it goes, yeah. I
1: think uh, I don't know when you bought GAP because I've been traveling, but. Um I did get a report from Navexa this week saying that Gap was the best performing stock for the week. There you go. 7th of December, according to my notes, is when I bought it. Okay. So you probably didn't get all that increase then.
0: Well, if they're saying we did, then they would be marking it from when we bought it, right? It's up 11.94%. Yeah, should be. Yeah. That's not bad for a week. Good on
1: you, Gap. Yeah. Good thing we swapped out. Yeah, Exactly. Yes, i owned Gap. I own Gap many years ago because it's only a small cap stock, but um, it's Scale Pacific, which make
0: shade cloths and the like. Right. Well, it's been a hot summer. Guess it's a good time to be in the shade cloth business. Been a wet summer. Yeah. Uh, hot and wet. Lamina. Yes.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a Chevy Ch- Chevy Chase film, The Hot
0: Wet Wife. <laughs> I keep thinking of Robin Williams. Hot and wet. I do that every time we say hot and wet, so I won't do it again. Um, Copper cell, copper breached. So for anyone (laughs) holding SFR C6, C, A, I, S, they all became cells under the commodity cell uh, at some point last week. Hope everybody was paying attention to that. Yeah, look, I
1: don't, it has a, it is a cell. It's the copper price seems to be trending sideways. So if you have missed it, just keep checking it each day. It's going up and down. But yeah, it's a sell at the moment.
0: Yeah. And on the flip side, iron ore became a buy again last week. It did, yeah. I mean,
1: I think people were getting into iron ore stocks again earlier than we, we have, but it's definitely got uh, – the graph now has the highest peak and then the second peak, um, which means we can draw our buy line and it's above the buy line sure.
0: The confusing thing for me on that, I think it was Lee who first asked the question on Facebook last week, is Iron a buy again? Paying attention, Lee. And I, I pulled up the last graph you and I did and I saw the fudged sell line and it was well below the fudged sell line, but you've ditched that now. You're looking at the Ridgey digge sell line, which is down like at 20 bucks and it's obviously well above that. Tell us why we're ditching the fudge sell line now and looking at the real sell line again.
1: Well, I think the fudge sell line was there for the sell uh, because the iron ore price has that a very sort of tends to have a very short, sharp cycle—not five years, but probably two. And to be honest, I can't recall another situation like this because most times commodity stocks you can use the five-year graph for it. But I did ditch it because it is above its five-year sell price, and it's now back into a buy situation. So I think it's worthwhile. Uh, putting them back on the buy list. But, yeah, I can't point to other examples to say this is the way to go, but that's my logic. It's That um, it was a good fudge for the sell, and now we're going to just ignore it for the buy.
0: Yeah. I know GRR, which is one of our stocks of the week, has already spiked up massively since it sort of uh, reached its bottom. It's not far from where it was at its peak. Uh, it's I think it's about back to where it was when we sold it. That was our number one stock, as I think you said last week uh, last year. But I had one of our new listeners call me actually this morning, and he said I've been looking at this iron ore line. I get the I get the buy line, I get the sell line. I can't work out the science behind the fudge line. And I said, ah, don't even try. There's no science. It's just Tony. I said it's just Tony's gut feeling after thirty years of how to do this stuff. There's no science behind it. It's just it's Tony science. It's like...
1: Yeah, Tony Science. That's a good term, isn't it? Uri -Uri Geller.
0: It's Uri Geller, bending spoons (laughs) science.
1: Hey, hey, don't laugh. Uri -Uri Geller owns an island in the Bahamas.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyone under the age of 50 probably has no idea who Uri Geller is, but uh, look him up. Look up some Uri Geller YouTubes from the 80s, man. And look up James Randi, who debunked him. Yes, but, um, passed away. Yes. Uh, you're, no, you're no, but there some
1: science. Yeah, he did. There is some science behind the the fudge for iron ore. And as I said, it's got to do with the iron ore cycle. So I was looking at, because a lot of these commodity stocks, um, you can apply the five-year monthly trend to gold, for example, copper, all those. They, they have longish cycles, but iron ore in particular tends to to move up and down very, very quickly. And so I didn't want to – I I fudged it using a two-year graph. I didn't want to get caught out if it dropped suddenly, which it did.
0: Right. But I guess by science, there's nothing in the Bible that says here's where you should fudge and the time frame you should use. (laughs) It's just – you know, these are the sorts of things that we just rely on your uh, ancient wisdom from that you learned from monks in Tibet to <laughs> teach us these things when you went up to the cave and did the meditation for six years and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I wasn't allowed to leave until I could steal the three pebbles from the
0: old guy. <laughs> were they iron ore pellets? Is that what they were? <laughs> Speaking of iron ore pellets, uh, a serious question for you. BHP. Um, when I was doing my buy list yesterday, it's obviously it, it do a lot of things, but in a big way, iron ore and copper. Now we've got iron ores buy, copper's a sell. Uh, is it a commodity sell or not, BHP right now?
1: Well, no, actually, there's a fair bit of copper in in there, isn't there? So uh, revenue by division for BHP, forty five point eight six billion is in iron ore, and then there's twenty point nine billion in copper so yeah it's a bit of a mixed bag don't know cam i'd probably be keeping it on the sidelines at the moment
0: oh well i had it in the buy list so that's
1: uh i did too until you've asked the question (laughs) Uh, if it it was like some of the other things that bhp do they've got six billion dollars of revenue in coal and five billion in petroleum if if copper was down around that sort of five to ten percent of their revenues i wouldn't worry about it but it's a big chunk up there Hmm. total revenue Yeah, it's a big chunk, so I think we should um, just call it as a – we should bench it for the moment. Bench
0: BHP, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what else? Trent in Facebook. Now, last week when we were having a chat, you were talking about this company New Farm and you were talking about the chemicals and you wanted to see if anyone out there knew what commodities we should be looking at. Trent, who knows a thing or two – Says, uh, this article gives some info in relation to the new farm chat and what's in the chemicals. The graphs in the article tell you the active chemical and the types of products. The article itself gives some insight to the underlying commodity/slash supply chain. And it was talking about glyphosate and glufosinate. Did you have a chance to have a look at that? I did. And um, they were the, particularly
1: glycophosphate, was the chemical I was thinking of. And I couldn't find any graphs on it, but those those links were helpful. So I don't think there was a five-year monthly graph, but you can pretty much see from the, the graphs that were provided that uh, it's generally in an uptrend at the moment.
0: It's a buy. Thanks for that, Trent. Good work. I was out at lunch with Lee the other day. We were having a bit of a chat, and uh, we were talking about the CEO of Magellan suddenly resigning, Magellan Financial Group, last week. And uh, Lee was telling me uh, he holds some Magellan. And (laughs) in the middle of lunch, his phone dings and he looks down and he goes, oh, Hamish Douglas is getting a divorce. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently he's on Hamish Douglas's uh, private distribution list and he got the text update. So I wanted to ask you uh, our condolences to Hamish Douglas and his wife Alexandra and the family. But um, serious question, bad news, sell when – Hamish Douglas, I know we don't own Magellan, I don't. Do you own Magellan?
1: No, not at all.
0: Okay. But um, if the CEO suddenly resigns and the chairman announces that he's getting it, now I don't know if these two things are connected. I'm not suggesting uh, for the record any way, shape or form that these things are at all connected. I'm not suggesting that. Don't don't, don't say that I am. Don't. I'm not even hinting at it seriously. Or am I? No, I'm not. Is this a bad news sell, Tony, if you were holding Magellan?
1: Yes, particularly with the CEO resigning unexpectedly. He'd been there for a long time. Usually you'd want to see the the CEO give you plenty of notice that they were leaving and then a a handover process put in place and properly enacted by the board. But this has all been very sudden, so I think it is a bad news sell. There there was a – I'm just trying to think who it was, maybe Jack Bogle. There was a U.S. investor who um, very – famous one recently who said that whenever a, a fund manager got divorced, it was um, time to short the stock. So there's there's also that, I guess. But the only other case I can think of is Kian Nelson, who ran Platinum, and he got divorced and the share price was tumbling, but I think it was going down before that. And the same with Magellan, it's been going down for a while. So perhaps, perhaps you need to know the CEO is having, or well, the chairman in this case, is having difficulties with his marriage when the share price starts going down to make a call. But uh, definitely the CEO resigning unexpectedly was a bad thing to happen.
0: Well, that's the end of the free episode this week. As I mentioned earlier on, there was a premium episode as well. This week goes for about another hour and a bit, hour and a half, I think. (laughs) It's quite a long one. And on that episode, uh, we also talk about Platinum becoming a buy again, AJL's Qualified Audit, our Stocks of the Week, GRR and GWR, If we should sell any stock that drops below 10% at any time is a question from one of our listeners, ATL's Merger News, uh, my nemesis company, how to trade during bull bear and rue markets, BSL and iron ore, value price versus fair price, CDD's capital return, and then in our after hour segment, we just talked a lot about the Beatles documentary again because we're both huge Beatles fans. Anyway, if you want to check out uh, the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a club member, access to the checklist and the QAV Bible and our meetups and our Zoom calls and all of that kind of good stuff, uh, and the ability to ask Tony questions each week on the show, go over to the website, qavpodcast.com.au, sign up for the uh, free trial, get a two-week free trial. You get access to everything during that period. And you can see whether or not you think it's something that might be useful for you and for your investing. But it's only really there for people that want to be serious about being hands-on, active value investors. If that's not you, don't worry about it. And you can keep listening to the free episodes for as long as you like. No pressure at all. Well, that's it for this week in QAV. Good luck. Stay safe, particularly with all the borders opening up. Don't catch Omicron if you can avoid it. And we'll be back next week. Take care. QAV podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Pty Limited. Authorized representative of AFS cell 520442, AFS representative number 001292718. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.